heard from uh, Mr. Pat Hash. Pat grew up as a military dependent. Once his father retired, they called Corbin, Kentucky home. After serving over 37 years in the U.S. Army, he retired on the 30th of June, 2011. 28 of those years, he served as chaplain. He earned a Bachelor's of Science degree from Eastern Kentucky University, a Master's of Strategic Studies from the U.S. Army War College, a Master of Divinity from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and a Doctor of Ministry degree from Bethany Theological Seminary. In addition to his service as an Army chaplain, Pat served three Southern Baptist churches, Blanket Creek Baptist Church, Falmouth, is it Falmouth or Falmouth? Falmouth, uh, Kentucky, Jefferson Baptist Church, Jefferson, Kentucky, and First Baptist Church of St. Paul's, North Carolina. Pat has been married for over 48 years to the former Lynn Bishop of Woodbine, Kentucky. They have four sons and seven grandchildren. He is currently doing interim pastor work and pulpit supply. His life verse is Joshua 1, 9. Let's welcome Reverend Pat Hash. Thank you all so much for allowing me the honor and the privilege to be with you this morning. Um, I look at every time I go into a church pulpit, doesn't matter what size of people are there, doesn't matter who's there, we're going we're gonna to take and worship God and we're going to take and look at his word. And, and so uh, thank you all so much. Ladies, thank you all for sing, leading the singing. Other two ladies, thank you all for playing. Rick, thank you for the uh, introduction and uh, for the opportunity and to your pastor. I don't know if he's listening in this morning, but uh, Carter, if you are, thank you for allowing me to fill, fill your pulpit while that you are away. I have grown to, to love uh, Carter. We, we meet together for a month, pastor, several pastors, and it's a, it is a close the door and let's talk about really what's going on in our heart. And I have learned to, to love your pastor. And I found out that he loves God first and foremost. He loves being a pastor of this church. And as a church, he loves you very much. And so you have a, a jewel in him, and I just ask that you continue to pray for him, for his wife, and for that new baby boy uh, that they have. Um, at my age, and it's probably some of your age, it's interesting to li- listen to him talk about some of the things that go on with a newborn baby, and uh, many of you all can resonate with that. It may have been a while since you've had one. I say that to say this. My wife and I are 67 years old, and we ask you to keep us in our prayers. We are helping to raise our granddaughter, who just turned three. And I can tell you that when it comes to energy and all the other things that a three-year-old does, my wife and I do not have a chance. She is a blessing. We are so glad to have her in our home. Um, But we never thought at 67 we'd be taking care of another little one. Uh, But we are, and we just ask that you continue to to bless us. You got this thing turned on here? I'm going to move this mic if you do, if that's all right. All right. So if you would today, join me as we turn our Bibles to Exodus, Exodus, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Exodus, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life that I have put off doing something that I should have done. And I've looked back on a couple of those instances and, and, and kicked myself for putting it off because when we put things off, uh, 
we many times don't receive the blessing of what it is that God wants us to do. And so we've got to be very careful about what we put off. There are some things that ought to be put off. But if you pray about it and you ask God, God will show you what needs to be put off and what does not need to be put off. But there are some things that do not need to be put off. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where Pharaoh had an opportunity to do something to help his people, and he put it off. He put it off, and it costs. Eventually, it costs him and costs his nation for many things. So if you are able and you can, I'd ask if you would to stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's Word out of Exodus, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. But if you refuse to let them go, then I will plague all of your territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs. They will come up and go into your palace and into your bedroom and on your bed, into the houses of your officials and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs will come up on you, your people, and all your officials. The Lord then said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, channels, ponds, and cause the frogs to come upon the land. And when Aaron had stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the, but the magicians did the same thing by their occult practices and brought frogs up into the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, and he said, Appeal to the Lord to remove the frogs from me and my people, and then I will let the people go and they can sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, You may have the honor of choosing when I will appeal on behalf of you, your officials, and your people, that the frogs be taken away from you and your houses and remain only in the Nile. Tomorrow, he answered. Moses replied, As you have said, so that you may know that there is no one like your Lord, like the Lord your God. The frogs will go away from you and your houses and your officials and your people. The frogs will remain only in the Nile. Father, Bless us as we have looked at this passage of Scripture. May we open our ears and our heart that we may see and hear the message that you have for us where we are, no matter what we're going through and what's going on in our life. And then, Father, as we are made aware of what's going on in our lives, help us, Father, to seek your forgiveness, to seek your will and your way as you lead, guide, and direct us each and every day. For it's in your blessed, precious, and holy name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you all so much, and please be seated. Let's think, let's think where we are in this passage of Scripture. The children of Israel are in bondage to the taskmasters of Egypt. They have been in bondage for about 400 years. And God's spokesman, Moses, and his brother Aaron is standing in front of the mightiest man on the earth at that day and time, Pharaoh of Egypt. Moses is saying, in the name of the living God, let my people go. Now Moses scoffed at Noah. And he said, who is your God? What God? I have plenty of gods here in my land. Which one are you talking about? And Moses said to him, The living God, the one and only true God. So Moses said, You're not going to let us go. And they had several plagues that came upon the people. In fact, there were ten of them. 
Started out with the river turn, uh, with the river tur- being turned into blood, and it ended up with the death of the very of the very eldest or the first child of every person who did not have blood put upon their doors as God had told them to do, and also the firstborn of the animals. God took them, and so this morning I want us to think about this passage. There are ten plagues, but I want us to think about the second one. I want us to think about these frogs. Can you imagine? My granddaughter walked out yesterday, and my wife followed her out. And when my wife got ready to sit down in her favorite seat out on our patio for our granddaughter to start playing, she looked down quickly at the back, and there was a frog sitting on her chair. She was not very happy. And she was not going to sit in that frog in that chair until that frog moved. Now, some of you are probably the same way. Now, most, most men will go, ah, that ain't nothing, grab it, throw it away. But my wife was not going to sit in that chair until that frog was moved. Can you imagine frogs everywhere? Frogs on your bed? Frogs in your bathroom? Frogs in your kitchen? Frogs when you sit in your chair? I mean, every single place you go, there were frogs everywhere. And God brought those frogs out of the rivers, and they came, and they multiplied, and they were everywhere. And then the Bible tells us in chapter number, or in verse number four, five, that Pharaoh sent and asked Moses to come and see him. Now, I heard someone one time talk about this, and they said, you know why Pharaoh finally relented? Because his wife was not going to sleep with them frogs in her bed. And she said, Pharaoh, you have got to do something about this. Men, you ever have that happen to you? You look at your wife and she says, there's something you need to do. And you can tell by looking in her eye, she is serious. You have got to do what she has asked you to do. And so you end up doing it. Well, Moses got one of those looks. My mom used to have the look You ever have your mom or dad give you the look? There was no doubt in your mind what was going on and what they wanted when they said, I want you to do this, and they stopped, tilted their head just a little bit, and gave you the look. You knew that there was no reason to even argue, no reason to press the point any further. It was time for you to do what they wanted to do because you got the look. Now, the Bible doesn't carry this out, but I imagine that Pharaoh's wife gave him The look. And so he called Moses and said, Moses, I've had enough. Appeal to your living God. Now he'd asked him before, who is it? At this time, Pharaoh doesn't care. You talk to your God and you tell him, I need these frogs removed from my household. I need them removed from my country. I need them removed everywhere. And Moses removed them and God put them back, it says, just in the Nile. But watch what happens. This is the interesting part, and this is where we're going to spend a little time at. Moses, in verses 9 and 10, said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you tell me when you want the frogs to be gone. You tell me when you want that plague to be out of the way. Now, if my wife had given me the look that he probably got from his wife, I would have said, Moses, right now. 
Moses, get these frogs out of here now. There's no, my household, there's no peace there. This has got to be gone. My nation needs them to be gone. But what did, what did Pharaoh say? In, chat, in verse number 10, he said, Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Moses. Now, I don't know when Moses was summoned to him, if it was in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. I don't know. But you would think that anyone who has a sound mind about them would have said, Moses, you mean you can get rid of these frogs right now? You mean you can get these frogs out of here right now? Yes. When do you want them gone? And he made the mistake that most of us make when we're not in the center of God's will. And God says, here's what I want you to do. Lord, I want to wait until tomorrow. And then what happened? Overnight, it said his heart was hardened. And then when Moses came back and they got rid of him, he said, no, your people, you're not going anywhere. I have changed my mind. And so the title of this today is, One More Night with the Frogs. One more night with those frogs. Just one more night, one more day, Lord, to let me have my will. One more day, Lord, to do what I want to do. Give me some time, Lord. Tomorrow will be just as good as today. Lord, let me wait till tomorrow. When I was 19 years old, God got my attention and said, I want you to become a preacher. At 19, I was not ready to do that. I was saved since I was 10. had been in churches. My dad was a pastor. And I had been in churches every time the door was open. Maybe your family was like that, door open, and we never questioned my mom and dad. When the door of the church was open where he was pastoring, we were there. And my mother always sat over on this side, and she sat about three pews back, and she said, you may sit with me, or you sit in front of me, but you'll never sit behind me. And so I'd been in church, I had watched, I was quiet, I'd listened to what was going on, and I said, God, you do not know what you're talking about. I was not very outgoing as a youngster. I would walk on the other side of the street to, not, to keep from talking to someone. My brother was, was outgoing. He was about two and a half years younger than I was. And when my dad as a pastor, people would come and say, oh, I bet you're so proud, you've got your son and uh, I bet Mike will do a great job. That was my brother's name, Mike. And my dad would look at him and say, no, 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 it's not Mike, it's Pat. Ooh. Ooh, we're going to pray for you. Does he sh- is he sure that he knows? Well, he said he fought with the Lord for two years about it. And my dad was one of those people that, let's find out if the Lord has called you to do what he's called you to do. So I accepted the call to preach when I was 21 years old after I'd struggled for two years. And if my wife was here, she would tell you about the struggle I went through. It was pretty miserable around the house. I knew what God was calling me to do, but I said, I'm going to wait, Lord. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till tomorrow, not today. Tomorrow. I've got some more living that I want to do. I'm a, I'm a sophomore in college, and Lord, I've got some things I want to do. And I have watched my father and watched what goes on in his life, and I'm not ready to do that. And at 21, God put me on my back for a few days. And he said, okay, now I've got your attention. Are you ready? And I had a couple days to pray, and I said, God, I am ready. That happened in July of 1975. I came home from a from the army, and my dad said, you're preaching on the first Sunday in September. Dad, I, I just accepted the call. I know. 
but we're going to find out if God has called you to preach. So on the first Sunday in September, you got about a month to get ready. And a month later, I preached. And I have been preaching ever since then. But if you had asked me why, I'd say, no, not, not today. Not today, Lord. Let me do it tomorrow. And many times what happens in our lives is we say to God, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do today. And because I don't want to do it today, come back tomorrow. And then we get a chance to continue doing what we're doing. Heart gets a little bit hard. And then we go, no, Lord, I still don't want to do what you want me to do. And I ran from God for two years until he finally got my attention. Maybe some of you have been running from years from what God has wanted you to do. I don't know you all from anybody else. I know your pastor. Just met Rick. But God it may be talking to some of you that says, you know, there are some things you should have done a couple of years ago that I asked you to do, and you decided you didn't want to do it. You're like Pharaoh here. God is going to bless you. God's going to touch you. God's going to be with you. God's going to take and, and work with you. And God's going to give you the wherewithal. Because listen to me, brothers and sisters, when God calls you to do whatever it is He calls you to do, He gives you the wherewithal to do what He calls you to do. These girls did a great job leading up here. That's a calling as far as I'm concerned. Because let me tell you what, I can't sing a lick. I can preach okay, but I can't sing a lick. I can't wait to get to heaven where I can sing. My dad was terrible too, but my dad always said this, every single person can carry a tune. But only a few people can unload it. Now maybe you can't unload it. And God's probably not calling you to do that, but whatever God is calling you to do, don't put it off. Don't continue to put it off because you are missing out on the blessings that God has for you. Now, there's a couple things that when we look at this scripture today, I want to think about, to think about putting it procrastination. Call it for what it is. Pro, the frog procrastination. I, I don't understand. People want to live with the frogs instead of do God's will. Now, Pharaoh didn't know God that well, but he knew where those frogs came from. And he knew who could get rid of those frogs. But why he said, I don't want to do that right now. Let's do it tomorrow. Give me another 12 or 18 hours with these frogs. I don't understand why he did that. But let me tell you, when you think about it, when we put things off until tomorrow, first of all, it is a sad state of affairs when we think about what God is calling us to do. It's heartbreak. It's disappointment. It ruins lives. Souls are lost because of tomorrow. You remember the story of King Agrippa? Paul is standing in front of King Agrippa and he says, Tell me what you got to tell me, King Agrippa. Or Paul, tell me about it. And Paul began to preach to him, began to talk to him. And in the 26th chapter of the book of Acts, they get down to the very end and King Agrippa says, Paul, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. And what he was really saying was, Paul, let's wait till tomorrow. Let's wait until next year. I've got plenty of time, but I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it says that King Agrippa came back and asked Jesus Christ to be his Lord and his Savior. And he probably died in that condition. And I'll guarantee you in hell he's looking up and going, God, give me one more chance. God, I only need a microsecond to take and know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
But his life was lost because he looked at Paul, who preached his heart out to him, who told him about the Jews. And this, if, you, if you go on in chapter 27 in, in Acts, it says that, that Agrippa said to other people, if Paul had not said he needed to go to, Pharaoh, to, go to uh, Caesar because he is a, a Roman citizen, I'd let him go. But he has said, I have appealed to Caesar, and because of that, I have to send him to Caesar. But I don't see anything in his life. Everything he said is true. But you know what? He didn't believe it enough to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and as his Savior. Listen to this poem by Edgar Guest. He was going to be all that a mortal could be tomorrow. No one would be kinder or braver than he was tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and weary he knew, who he was gifted to give a hand because they needed it. And he would call on him and see what he could do. Tomorrow. Each morning he stacked up the letters that he needed to write to people. Tomorrow. And he thought of the folks that he would fill with delight. Tomorrow. It, too, it was too bad indeed. He was busy today. He hadn't a minute to stop on his way. More time he would have to give to others, he'd say. Tomorrow. The greatest work, the greatest of workers this man has been. Tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow. But the fact is that he died and faded from view. And all that he left here when, he, when his living was through was a mountain of things that he intended to do. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. The frogs of procrastination afflict every single one of us. We always, if we're not careful, put things off. And then sometimes we come back to them. Hopefully we do. And sometimes we don't come back to them. But not only does it come to destroy our lives, our goals, and our ambitions because we put it off until tomorrow, it robs us of everything that's worthwhile, especially the spiritual things that God has called us to and God would have us to do. How many of us can say, tomorrow I'm going to start praying more and better and disciplined with God? I'm going to do it on schedule but I'll do it tomorrow. I ought to read my Bible. Get up and set a time where I sit with God every day reading my Bible, but not just reading the Bible, but seeing what God has to say to me through what He has given to me. Oh, I would love to do that, but I'll start it tomorrow. Why, tomorrow? I'll start tithing. Tomorrow, you know, these these days are hard today, but when I get my job straightened out, When I get my bills paid for, then I will have some tithe to give to the Lord. But tomorrow, I will start. Tomorrow, I'll join the church. Tomorrow, I will fill a volunteer position in the church that the nominating committee has asked me to do. And maybe they've asked me to do it for several years. I'll be more of a disciple. I understand that you all have been looking at discipleship here. A disciple. Tomorrow, I'll share the gospel with others. Tomorrow, I'll I'll do the things that God wants me to do to, to help me to walk closer to Him. Tomorrow, there are others in my community, in this community I live, who God has blessed me and I can help. And they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'll take Jesus as my Savior if you don't know Him. Tomorrow, 
I'll change my ways tomorrow. Just give me one more night with the frogs, God. I just want one more day to do what I want to do. I just want one more day to have the freedom that I think I have, and I don't want to be a slave to what you want me to do. Paul said several times, I am a slave to Jesus Christ. He knew that we give our lives to Christ. That means every aspect of our life. And that we need to stop putting things off till tomorrow. The second thing that we see about this is that because Pharaoh kept putting things off, tomorrow brought him death. The Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart when tomorrow came. After he had already told Moses to Moses, why don't you take the the frogs away tomorrow? Why don't you take and empty our land and our houses and and my palace and everything of the frogs, but do it tomorrow? But you see what happens when this process of procrastination gets on our hearts and it keeps us from doing what God would want us to do? It, It leads to hardness of our heart. It leads to being less responsive to the Word of God and the teachings of God. It means that we have a less of ability to respond to what God is calling us to. We, are, we have a less of a capacity to have sensitivity and to care about people. When we say tomorrow, procrastination causes us to become more calloused about the needs of our community and the needs of our church and the needs of the people that we worship with. And that we are called to love each and every day. And when tomorrow comes, if we're not careful, we are inclined to say no again. No tomorrow. And so it was with Pharaoh. For nine plagues, he said, no, God, tomorrow. I'll let you people maybe go tomorrow. I might let them go out and worship. But remember at first he said, now you can't leave the land. And Moses says, no, no, we can't do that. We can't worship in the land. We need to leave. And he said, well, you can go out for three days and you'll be outside the land and you begin to do what you want to do. But every single time, Pharaoh would come back and he would go, look, he said, look, I, 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 I just not going to let you do it today. I'm just not going to let you go. My heart has been hardened. And every single time of those nine plagues that his heart, that he said no to God, his heart was hardened after the plague was born to people. But the tenth one, affected him personally. The tenth one was the death of every first child in the land of Egypt. There were no people from Pharaoh down to slaves who who got out of that. The only reason that people got out of that, even for the Israelites, is because God God told them through Moses, we need to take and take the blood of a perfect unblemished lamb, we're going to put it on the doorpost. And when the death angel comes and the death angel sees that blood on our doorpost, the death angel will pass us by. You see, putting it off tomorrow ultimately costs the Egyptians the death of their firstborn. But you know what? It also costs Pharaoh because he let the people go. It took a little while for them to get everything together and to go. And they went. And when they got outside of Egypt and they began to move towards the Red Sea, Pharaoh had again a change of heart. And when he had that change of heart, he told his armies, he said, we're not going to let them people get away. We're going to go get them. 
And God led the children with a pillar of cloud during the day and, and a pillar of fire at night. And they got there and the people began to complain. They looked back behind them and they saw the Egyptians coming. They looked in front of them and they saw the water that was there and it was too deep for them to go through. And they began to complain to Moses. And what did Moses do? What he always did. He went to the Lord in prayer. And he didn't say this. He didn't say, Lord, the Egyptians are coming. They're going to be here soon. Tomorrow will you help us with this? Tomorrow will you do something about this? Lord, the Egyptians are getting ready to come and and probably kill some of us and take us back into bondage. And you have told us, you've told me when I was on the 40 years on the side of the backside of the desert that I was going to bring the people and I was going to bring them out and we were going to the promised land that you promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Lord, we're getting ready to do that. But you know, Lord, I, I, I know everything's according to your time. Can you do this next week? Can you do this tomorrow? No. Lord, we need your help now. Lord, we need for you to bless us now. We need for you to somehow stop the Egyptians and allow us to continue on in our journey. And God, what does it say? God told Noah, he said, take your rod and touch the water. And he touched the water, and what happened? The, land, the water parted, and the children of Israel crossed the, the water, went through the water and on dry ground. They got to the other side. And then what did God do? The Egyptians were riding in with their chariots and their mighty power of war and all those kinds of things. And Pharaoh stood back and he watched. And not only had he suffered to death if he had an older son, but he also watched as his army was completely destroyed by God when God brought the waters back on them. And God did not do it tomorrow. God didn't do it next month or next week. God did it that day because he knew they needed him. Brothers and sisters, we need God every single day. God is not someone that we ought to take and read His Scripture when we're, on, when we're in church on Sunday morning or when we're here for Wednesday night or when we get about it and we think about it. No, not at all. We are to be in God's Word every day. We ought to be prayer warriors every single day. We need God's help today. We don't need God's help tomorrow. And there are some things coming up. My wife and I are getting ready to go on a trip, and I'm already praying for God to protect us when we go on the trip. But my concern is what's going on today. And God wants to know. He said, look, there's nothing we can do about the past. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. Today is the day that we come to God and we leave it in God's hands and say, God, we need you to help us with this so that we can do what it is that you would have us to do. So Pharaoh went through all of those things. And what a travesty it is that he had an opportunity to take and to get rid of these things and let the God's people go, but it took ten plagues for it to happen, and the last one was death. He had an opportunity not to take his army out and to destroy it. what he thought he was going to do, destroy the Israelites, and his army itself was destroyed. Why? Because he said, instead of letting people go, let's wait till tomorrow. But you see, God's people, we're not called to do that. We are called to do what God would have us to do. Why? Because thirdly, tomorrow, tomorrow, is the word of Satan. Tomorrow, Satan says, just wait till tomorrow. You see, there's a hopelessness in this word because it's a tool that Satan uses all the time against us. God has a plan. God has something he wants us to do. And we say tomorrow. Tomorrow, God. You see, Satan would destroy everything if he could, but he knows he can't. You remember the story of Job and, and Satan comes to God and says, 
And God says, what do you think about Job? Oh, he's a wonderful, he's a wonderful servant. And Satan said, yeah, you protect him, no wonder. And then God said, you can do whatever you want to to him, except take his life. And he made Job's life miserable. But you know what Job said? I came in this world with nothing. I'm going out of this world with nothing. Praise God. Doesn't mean he questioned. Who wouldn't question God? He lost all of his sons and daughters, lost everything he had, sitting on an ash pile with boils all over his body, dogs licking him and scratching him with clay, and yet he still worshipped God because he knew God was the God of today. Someone once told me a story. Satan was having, a, was having a meeting with his angels. And the angels were complaining about how people were getting saved and people were, you know, joining the church after they got saved and they were, they were becoming what God would want them to be. And, and, and the demons around said, what can we do about this? And so Satan said, what, what, what do you all think we ought to do? Well, I think we ought to tell them that uh, there is no God. They said, look at the world today. There are a lot of people out there that say there is no God. All we've got to do is get that small little couple hundred million people who say there is one, just bring something in their life to cause them to say there is no God. And Satan will say, look, I've been trying to do that since Adam and Eve. It ain't going to work. Another one said, well, let's tell them that there, that there is a God, but let's tell them that God doesn't care about them. That God doesn't have anything to do with their life. That God is there, but He's wound the earth up. He's thrown it out. And uh, the, the, no matter what you're going through, what you're doing, God really cares less about you. And God's not going to protect you. And God's not going to do anything for you. And Satan said, that doesn't work either. I, I've done that too. And people are still coming to God. People are still accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then the third angel, third demon said, Satan, I got it. Let's tell them there is a God. Let's tell them that Jesus Christ saves. Let's tell them that, Jesus, that God cares about them, that God loves them. Let's tell them that God wants to be involved in their lives. God wants to see a plan fulfilled in their lives. He said, but when we tell them that, we're going to tell them this. But God will do all these things for you tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, God loves you, but He's not going to show you His love until tomorrow. God has His Son, Jesus Christ, that came, but He's not going to, he's not going to save you till tomorrow. God's not going, to, not going to take and work in your lives until tomorrow. And so He says, let's tell Him tomorrow. Let's just tell Him tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. You see, Satan uses procrastination against God's people because he knows he can't talk most of us out who already know God into knowing that God is real. He can't talk us out of salvation. The Bible says that once we have been saved, that we are put in the hand of God and we stay in the hand of God. He knows he can't do that. But what he can do is he can get us to procrastinate. He can get us to put it off till tomorrow. He can get us to say, there's a lost person down the street I need to go and talk to, but I'll do it tomorrow. There's a person who I need to go visit I haven't seen in a while. I'll do it tomorrow. There's a person I need to write a note with, but I'll go do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and we forget about it, or we put it off for another day. The demon said, God, said, said to Satan, that's how we get them. Tell them not to worry about it. they got plenty of time, and they can do whatever God wants them to do tomorrow. Just like Pharaoh. I'll just wait till tomorrow. 
I'll make a decision then. I'll get it worked out in my mind then. The last thing is this. Listen to me. Today is God's day. Today. What does the Bible say? This is the Lord. This is the, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. When Jesus called His disciples, He didn't go up to Matthew, who was a tax collector, and say, Matthew, I'm coming back by this way tomorrow. Do you want to be one of my disciples? No. Jesus looked at him and said, follow me. And Matthew gave up everything and followed Jesus. He looked at John and James and says, I want to make you fishers of men. Would you follow me? He didn't say... I'll be back this way next week. He said, today. Today, I want you to follow me. Leave all that you have, except for what's we got on your, on your body and your shoes on your feet. Today. Today. Live today. Decide today. Act today. That's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to hold off when it comes to salvation, when it comes out to what He's calling us to do, when it comes out to what He wants us to do in this church and in this community. He calls us to do it today. If there's something you ought to do, you do it today. Maybe you're here, and I don't know if any of you don't know Jesus, but if you don't know Jesus, today. Maybe you're here and you need to rededicate your life. There's been a couple things going on in your life that you're not real proud of. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God every day single day. But there's something in our lives that we're not real proud of. And today is the day to ask for forgiveness. I I need to write somebody to do it today. I need to visit somebody. Do it today. Is there a breach in your relationship with somebody in this church or somebody in the community that needs to be taken care of? Take care of it today. You remember when people came to, they came to give an offering. It was in Matthew's Gospel, and they came to give an offering, and Jesus said, if there's something between you and somebody else, lay the offering down and go take care of whatever's going on and breach a relationship. And once you take care of that, then you come back. And then you give your offering to me. There's some barrier. Get rid of it today. God wants us to be happy. You see, today is the time to say, I love you, God. I care about you, God. And I need to tell somebody that. I saw something on Facebook not too long ago. Maybe you've seen it. And it says, when your parents are lying in their coffin, is not the time to say, I miss you and I love you. It's something we need to do every day single day. Both of my parents are gone. They've been gone now for my mom for 22 years and my dad for 21 years. I'd like to see my dad and talk to him. I'd like to see my mom. I know I will one day because I'll be reunited with them in heaven. My name's been written on the Lamb's Book of Life and I shall see them again. But I would sure love to have one more time to say to them, I love you. You see, God wants us to do it today. Whatever's affecting our business, whatever's affecting our life, whatever's affecting our church relations, whatever's affecting us, keeping us from sharing the gospel, whatever's keeping us from being a, living a discipled life, God wants us to begin to make, do it today. Whatever it is, brothers and sisters, today is the day. Don't spend one more night with the frogs when you can say, Moses, Take them away now.
Don't give me 18 more hours. God, you can take this away now. God, you can bless me now. God, you've got some work for me to do now. You've got discipleship for me to do now. You've got people in the community I need to worship, I need to witness to now. Don't put it off. Because putting it off is the language of Satan. Whatever you need to do today, today's the day to do it. Amen? Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Father, for being with us today. We can be procrastinators and put things off. We can say no when we should say yes. So, Father, help us today to stop procrastinating and wanting another night, another day with the frogs. Help us, Father, to be the person you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do, to mend that broken relationship, to mend whatever it is that we've been putting off, to do whatever you've called us to do, Father, and help us to stop putting it off and to do it as you lead us and call us to do it. So, Father, we're going to sing a song. We're going to open this altar up, and we're going to invite people to come and to stop putting things, spending one more night with the frogs, stop procrastinating, and, Father, let you have whatever you want in their lives. For it's in your blessed, precious, and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Ladies, what song are we going to sing?